Hi, everybody. This is Tom M. Bowden with the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast. And today is uh, December 20th. Um, we've got two podcasts, uh, two days in a row. Yesterday, we had Hamid. And, and uh, today, we've got Ethan. And Ethan is a local Southern Illinois native. And he spent some time doing schooling at John A. Logan before he transferred into SIU and, and actually the EST program at SIU, which um, no longer around, but for a long time, we had a really strong presence with the EST. And um, if you want to, Ethan, just introduce yourself fully and then maybe tell us what you remember about the difference between the EST and the IST um, programs back when you were studying or anything that you know made you decide one versus the other because I think you're the first EST grad I might have had on here. Yeah, that's uh that's an interesting question. Thanks for having me on. So my name is Ethan Hallisey. Uh gosh, I graduated SIU I guess 12 years ago now. It seems like it's been forever, but the honestly it does. Honestly, the the big thing that made me lean towards EST instead of IST is I despise databases and database management. And that was one of the big differences that I remember is I, I got to play around with cool electronics and not touch databases. Okay. And that, you know, and, and that's, that makes a difference for a lot of people. You know, I, I do remember we had a lot of students back in the early days coming through EST through the, the networking and security, the communications um, specialization. And, and I'm sure that the the difference in in the database and maybe some of the programming had a little bit to do with it but um either way great degrees and and you know good jumping off starting point uh for for folks to get their you know their 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 first outside of college jobs so um you're from you're from southern illinois right correct yep about 20 minutes south of carbondale so alto pass yes all right and um when you were in school and i remember you know, there was a group of folks um, that were just, you know, a real cohesive, fun group um, about the time frame you were around. And, and I remember you guys in like my security class and the 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 415 advanced networking class. And, and it was just kind of a fun environment where you come in, work on stuff, figure out problems, create new problems. And um and 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 figure out solutions and learn about teamwork and and, and getting uh, a little kind of simulated network deployed. Um, anything that you specifically remember from school that you you liked or that was very useful? Um, we'll talk about your 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 job at, at at SIU next, but with the classes and the labs and that type of stuff. Yeah, so I think probably the one thing that that stands out to me the most was the way that you taught the CIDR notation for subnetting, right? I had previously learned binary and it just never really clicked for me. Yeah. But but once I got to SIU and we did the CIDR notation, it, it was like a light bulb came on. And then I I think the other thing that really stood out is specific to the EST program. So learning about the power equation and all of that kind of stuff really set me up for a job that I had um, much later on where I was doing data center planning for installs and I knew how to calculate power and wattage and and figure out the cooling required and all of that stuff was specific to the EST program. 
That's um that sounds like a, a fun job to have. I mean, anything data center um, is a I think a cool opportunity for for students to get into because it's a you know it's kind of a a, a niche area um, and it's it's really unique and and they kind of like you know if you're doing planning or if you're doing installs you are the you know setting up the infrastructure that all the cloud all the important you know um, applications that are mission critical for a company you might work for or contracted to require and so it's super important and then when you start thinking about like you said the cooling and security and all these types of things there's a lot involved and um, that's awesome that you had that opportunity and the EST program helped prepare you for that uh, you were also a student employee and uh, an undergraduate technical assistant. And uh, that was when you were at SIU in, uh, uh, let's see, 2010, 2011. And which um, which group did you work for? Was it this the systems group with Jerry? Yes, yeah, back in the day, it was called the TAC team. TAC team, that's right, okay. And tell us a little bit about that. And, and a fun note, Jerry is actually the, um, the, the head coach for my son's uh, wrestling team at Carbondale High School. So I, I get to see him at work and then I get to see him out there leading the wrestlers to you know, championships and, and, and good placements uh, in their in their events. It's cool. But tell us about what you what you did there. So my main role on the tag team was a VMware admin as well as a bit of an AD admin. And I think the cool thing about that job versus some of the other jobs that you could get on campus was I was working in a live production environment at mm -hmm. scale too. Right. So, I mean, SIU Carbondale at that time probably had, I don't know, 20,000 students and, and quite a bit of faculty, right? So I'm, I was a domain admin for the, the actual school's domain, right? So I could unlock accounts, do all that kind of stuff. And um, it it was just a it was a good introduction to what it would actually be like out in the real world. And as far as the VMware portion goes, that was really what kicked off my career, right? Because my first real job out of college was was VMware administration and and just being able to work in that every day while I was learning about it really helped me connect the dots between the theory and the practical. And I have said this about so many of the people that have been on this podcast, the former students, and 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 just um, keep finding it so so cool that SIU has this um, this attitude within the Office of Information Technology of of being a you know kind of an extension of the ac academic side with with regards to students that are in IT and CS and other related degrees. Um, you know, I, I say it regularly. I didn't know a single person when I was an undergrad at DePaul that had a student job, let alone was doing anything with technology that they put on their resume. And here, you know, folks like you have done, you know, more than than a lot of people who are, you know, three, four years out already. And, and that's just because, you know, you've got a you've got a, a group of mentors of IT uh, professionals like Jerry and um, some of the others, Bill back then, I think probably, and uh, they teach you to do the stuff the right way. And, um, you know, that's, that's invaluable. And, and, and that's one of the most things I'm proud of being, you know, associated with SIU for is, 
is that um, you know commitment to to real world uh, experience that the IT folks give students, and you know even even today, you know I'm I myself am looking at a, a resume from a student worker who's going to come in and probably help me this this summer do VMware or this spring and do VMware and things like that, and it's just just awesome. Um, so so yeah, do you want to shout out anybody else um, from your 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 days working at SIU? Because I plan on sending Jerry a link to this podcast when it's done. Yeah, so it was it, back then. It was Jerry and Bill were the uh, the alumni, and, and some of the other folks that I worked with that that really helped me were um, Paul Nearcorn, who grad. I think oh, he yeah. graduated a semester before I did. Right. Yeah. And and then uh, Ben Wasson, he was a CS grad actually, but he was okay. one of the undergrad folks down there. And then um, I think Rags Aaron Ragusa yeah, as yep, well. Yep. Awesome. Cool. So, so you got your some some good experience working with the TAC team here at SIU. You you finish up your schoolwork at in the EST program. You graduate in 2011, and then do you want to talk about SI Wireless, or do you want to move on to the the bigger job after that? Yeah. So SI Wireless was an interesting experience. Um, it it was a. It's not an NVMO, which is a. I think that's network. Anyway, that's like Boost Mobile, right? They right. they operate on Verizon towers or whatever, and they just have their own subscription base. And it was resale, an interesting yeah. job. I I got my first, I guess, taste of um, customer support at that job, but it was really just a stepping stone for me until I can get the job that I wanted, which came next, which was a a sort of VMware admin and um, deployment engineer on Scott Air Force Base. So I was a I was a contractor for the Air Force, and we, uh, my team was essentially in charge of deploying, configuring, and maintaining VMware suites that were used to host the core services that the, the enlisted folks and the civilian folks on base would use for like logging in, email, DNS, things of that nature. Okay, so the infrastructure, the important yep. stuff that doesn't work if, uh, you know, nothing works if that stuff doesn't work, so pretty important. And this was um, this was a contracting job, and so you were were you working on base or were you working remotely mostly? Or yeah, so I was on base um, every day for that one with uh, about fifty percent travel. Okay, and that travel was that to other bases or other um, client locations for the company? Was this TKC Global? Correct. Yeah. And and that was, uh, those were to other Air Force bases. Okay. So you knew what was going on with kind of the, the standard Air Force uh, data center hosting um, cluster type scenarios. And so they sent you around to help others. Right. Yep. Okay. And it looks like during that time, you, you got uh, familiar with a lot of different technology, um, fiber channel, uh, different types of um, storage solutions like like NetApp and Dell, uh, HP, uh, a lot of different things with vCenter, the different um, enabling technologies for the, um, uh, you know, for the, the, the clusters, uh, uh, virtualized clusters. And, and so you had, I mean, do you have any idea? Let's see. Okay. So clusters containing 150 plus close plus hosts. So pretty good sized environment. And, and were you, 
were you dealing with the actual virtual machines or were you the, the infrastructure and the virtual, uh, the VMware kind of, um, was that your role specifically? So we didn't have much to do with the actual operating systems on the virtual machines, but we worked on everything up to the virtual machine. So if there was any virtual machine maintenance that had to happen or issues with uh, VMware itself, we would take care of that. But say it was a Windows issue, we were disconnected from that. Gotcha. Um, and that makes sense. You know, but but then it looks like a little later, you moved on to another position still within TKC Global, where you did more of the uh, operating system or host management. Yeah. So once the, the travel and installs wrapped up, I moved over to what was called the migration team. And I was pretty much in charge of two teams that were doing the actual migration of the hosts and computer objects from the legacy AD into the new consolidated Active Directory that we had previously deployed the, the infrastructure for. Okay. So, so these were all kind of unique um, Active Directory environments where you kind of had to um, look at how, how they were and make a strategic plan for you know, maybe eliminating some, migrating some, um, and it says exchange migration. So I imagine that was uh, an interesting one to, to work with, especially if you were going up to a, a newer version of exchange. Um, so a, a, lot of, a lot of Microsoft administration kind of, you know, take you back to your time with uh, the TAC team at SIU. Yeah. And, and thankfully we actually had Microsoft bodies on, on contract and, we had one or two dedicated to each team. So they handled a lot of the heavy lifting and and my team did a lot of the button pushing, I guess is the best okay. way to put it. So okay. we had a we had a lot of tools that really were set up already for us to be able to do the job, right? So we we did have to do a lot of scoping as far as the accounts that would need to be migrated, the computers that would need to be migrated, things of that nature. And then of course, with it being the military, there's always you know, officers, generals and such that are extremely important and have mission critical day jobs. So we had to sp pay special attention to them and and we would do what were called VIP appointments. So we would we would schedule an entire migration for a specific officer and all of his or her office staff. So right. it, it was it wasn't as technical as my previous job. It was a lot more process and customer uh, facing oriented. OK. That's that's cool, but you you so you get to you get to know, you know you're you're meeting with these very high level Air Force people, and you're there to make sure that everything goes smooth, so they have nobody to get mad at. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and then after after that, you changed to another role. It looks like as a hardware refresh team. What was that about? So that was actually going back to all of the bases that I had traveled to. Um, at, at my first role and refreshing the hardware. So uh, it wasn't the exact same basis all the time, but basically we had gotten to a point in, in the program where the first sets of hardware that were deployed were getting extremely old. And um, the, the Air Force at the time wasn't super great about keeping a, a tight refresh cycle. So we got that my company got that contract awarded to us and our sole job was just to go back out and reinstall new hardware and replace the old stuff okay and this this was uh was this when you were doing the the data center um type work correct yeah okay so what was involved with with 
you know, kind of this refresh at the data center? Were you, um, you know, staging things and then migrating and then, you know, uh, decommissioning the old stuff? So that was a little bit more of a, of a lockdown process for us, right? We actually didn't even have laptops that gave us access to the network. We didn't have a, um, a government email at the time. They call it GFE, government furnished equipment. Okay. We didn't have any GFE for that contract. So we were essentially flying blind, um, coordinating through our counterparts to set up all of the, the travel and the meetings. So we literally showed up, unboxed the equipment, put it in a rack, slapped a basic configuration on it, and then we wiped our hands of it and left. Okay. That sounds like a you know, kind of a cake job. I mean, it, it was amazing. And I was working from home for that one. So I was home when I wasn't traveling and then traveling every other week. So it, it was, it was a good experience and a, and a great job, but it unfortunately was a little bit lacking when it, it came to learning the new platforms that we were deploying because we weren't really doing anything with them. Gotcha. So you weren't, you weren't increasing your technical skills at this job. You were just you know, using, using muscle and, and, uh, screwdrivers and that type of pretty thing. much, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And then what was TKC global? Like, what was that company? Like, what was, the, what were the teams you were with, um, kind of like in the, the culture of that company? So it's, it's kind of all over the place. Oh, actually I was probably in the minority there being a fresh college graduate. Um, there, there were a couple of us that, that went up there. Um, Caleb Henderson um, mm -hmm. is actually the one who got me that job. Okay. And then I think there were a couple other folks from um, EST, IST that came up there with us, but we, we were definitely in the minority. It, it's a lot of older retired military folks and um, just people that have been government contractors for pretty much their whole lives. Right. But as far as the teams go, you know, we were, we were typically on those de deployments, a team of two or a team of three. Uh, with a dedicated lead and then just a, an additional engineer, but the the company itself, contracting is such a weird thing, right? Because it's it's extremely volatile. Um, I mean, I guess tech is kind of volatile right now, anyway. But these jobs seem to be even more volatile than than normal, right? You could we would always hear stories about people showing up one day and their office doors are locked and the locks are changed and they can't get in because the contract was rescinded. Right. Oh, okay. okay. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon to hear of that happening. Um, I think I got pretty lucky. I mean, I stayed with the same group of companies. Um, so like TKC, uh, Tundra and Kivlik, all of those companies were under a big umbrella company called Akama. And I stayed with that company for nine years and, and never once experienced that. So I think I was extremely lucky. Or maybe, but, maybe it was you. Well, the, I mean, <laughs> thanks. But uh, yeah, there, there were a, a core group of folks that, that were there that entire time with me. And I, I think that that does have something to do with it. But overall, you know, I think the company as a whole did a good job of taking care of its people. Okay. And then uh, let's see, you've got a remote job in uh, 2017 with Kivlik. Is that, is that a... Is that part, is that kind of a part of the TKC group or? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. kind of without going into too much detail on this, cause right. it's super boring, but the, the kind of the, the way that works is Akama is what's called an, an 8A corporation. So it's owned by native Alaskans. And um, ever since, I guess it was the, 
maybe like the the Enron thing, I think several years ago where people were getting contracts because they knew somebody in the government, the government put some regulations in place where small businesses have to do a certain share, uh, native Alaskan, other disadvantaged businesses like uh, minority owned, women owned, things of that nature, all get um, additional protections in the contracting space, right? So with Akama being a, a native 8A corporation, they have subsidy companies that also take on that 8A designation and they would bid on contracts with those 8A corporations. And sometimes one of those companies would get too much business and then they would graduate from 8A to just a regular small business. So there would be another company stood up in its place that, that um, qualifies for that essentially. And that's why you see me kind of jumping through companies under that Akama umbrella. Okay. And, and so since you were remote, was this mostly just kind of a, you know, on paper type of thing, you were still kind of doing the same thing with same people. Yeah. Same thing, same people, um, different, different contract. Yep. Okay. And you want to, I mean, anything else about these later, um, these, uh, these later, uh, contracts that you were working on that you want to tell us about, um, Tundra, let's see, the, Phase three hardware refresh, phase two hardware refresh. Anything cool or exciting about what you did there? Yeah, so those were actually my first opportunity to take a lead role from a contracting perspective. So I was, I was essentially the the lead engineer slash solutions architect for those. So I was basically given a set of requirements and said we need to meet these requirements and meet this timeline. So. I got to do, I got to take my first crack at design work, right? And um, I think that's probably one of the coolest things I can say about my career thus far is that if you go to any of the CONUS, which is continental United States, any of the continental United States Air Force bases or Air National Guard bases, and you look at their uh, core services infrastructure, I designed it that's and, pretty cool. and, and potentially in, installed some of it myself. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that that's really like one of the coolest things I, I think I've ever done, but yeah. that those jobs really set me up for not only like getting my, my technical abilities, but also teaching me how to interface with customers, high ranking customers and start to learn how to deal with objections. Right. Because when you're presenting designs, you know, you want questions, right? You want people to interact with you and ask you the, the tough questions and, and figure out why you made the design, the design decisions that you did. Mm -hmm. And, and I got a lot of that in that contract. And I, I feel like that that specifically was the start for me to get to where I am now. That makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's an awesome opportunity that you, that you, you've had. Um, and, and definitely, you know, you worked your way up there. It didn't happen overnight. Um, and, and, and to be able to say that, you know, that you had such a, you know, such a part in, in the infrastructure that, you know, one of the branches of our, our military uses day in and day out mission critical. That's, that's pretty darn impressive. Um, so congratulations, man. That's, that's really neat. Thanks. Um, if we could, before we talk about where, what you're doing currently, um, you've got a bunch of certifications and I know probably some of them have, uh, 
have maybe expired or maybe you've kept them all up, but uh, you want to just tell us about some of those that you've, you've had and. Sure. Yeah. So I think probably the first one that, that I got was the security plus. And mm -hmm. um, my, my personal opinion is I think the DOD with the requirement for everybody who has an admin account to get a security plus is probably the reason why uh, CompTIA does continuing education on those now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They used to be perpetual. Uh, I, I think, I also think the, the volume of folks required to get a security plus has kind of made it less valuable. Sure. But um, yeah, so from there, I, I started getting some hardware certs. Um, I got certified on NetApp storage, which at this point, I, I can't remember anything about them. I haven't touched them in years. Right. Okay. But probably, probably the best one for my uh, career, just from a, a knowledge standpoint, and even an opportunity standpoint was my my VMware VCP. Okay. So that's the VMware certified professional. And I, I got the data center virtualization variant of that. And I got extremely lucky with that because typically VMware requires you to take like a $4,000 class before you're even eligible to take the test, right? They wanted to somehow, I guess, cut down on the number of folks who just jump online, grab a test dump, go take the test, say they're VCP certified. They wanted to, they wanted paper, to keep paper it. Certs. Yeah, they wanted to keep it worth something, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it was probably in 2015 or 2016, they offered a program to VMware partners where if, if your company was a, I guess like a gold or higher level partner, you got to skip that requirement. Okay. So I went out and got that. And then I think I updated it probably two or three times, but it, it has been on the back burner since 2018, but I think it's probably in my future again, but it's going to be more so from the cloud perspective this time. Okay. That's pretty neat. And, and, you know, we've had, um, we've had VMware uh, academic partnership for at least 10 years and and some of what they give us is part of that i mean they're changing it all the time but these these courses in data center virtualization core technical skills and they're giving us access to like the vSphere icm and optimize and scale and and some of their new stuff too with like the let's see virtual cloud and i've seen some things with their software defined networking i think and and we have those now, which is pretty cool. And um, one of the things that we did just this last semester um, with, and I've done it before, but we've, we've been holding these, these independent study uh, security plus CERT classes where I get a group of students to come in once a week, they schedule and, and, and they, you know, they go through the curriculum just, just with the point of taking the, the CERT at the end of the semester. And, and, uh, we're at that point where they finished. There was seven of them. I think three of them have taken it and passed so far, and the rest are doing it sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, but you know, that's that's what I tell them. You know, it's 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 the the a great opportunity to get where you have um, you know entry level credentials that that some of these contractors are going to want to see, and uh, always helps to have it before they want you to. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I think that that shows that you have insight into what the industry is looking for, right? Exactly. And, and I think Lo, uh, Johnny Logan has recently implemented something similar, right? I'm pretty sure you can come out of Logan with a CCNA now. They 
do have um, this, the CCNA program. Um, I'm not sure because Mark recently retired. And so I'm not sure if they've still got somebody that's doing that or not, but, but I know they had. And, and there's a bunch of uh, community colleges who have that as well. And it kind of makes it tough to uh, transfer in because none of those classes equate to 200 level classes that we have. So we have to kind of work on, on our approach to that, but it's definitely a, a cool, uh, a cool thing. And, and one of the, one of the neatest things I've seen touring around and seeing different community colleges is, is up there at SWIC and they've had, you know, they've had a program doing Cisco for quite a while. And I think I was at their Granite City facility and on one of their walls, they just had pictures of like the wall of fame of the people that had passed their CCNA and just up there as like a, you know, a, a congratulations. And there was just tons of them. It was really neat to see. Um, so maybe, maybe what we'll do is at, at, at uh, uh, we're iTech now, but maybe, maybe we'll start putting up pictures of our, our, our alumni and grads who've, you know, made their first million dollars in the tech industry or something. So hopefully you'll be up there soon. Well, that's the goal I'd say, but we'll, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> okay. So um, fast forward to uh, your current position and, and sometime between, you know, uh, let's see, your your work. I mean, it, one of your positions, you had a you had a baby, um, and so being remote, I'm sure was was a fantastic opportunity to have a little one and and be there to help, uh, uh, you know, contribute, you know, whenever you can. I guess um, I, I've had that opportunity too, doing remote stuff and being flexible for helping with the kids and things and. It's awesome. So your your little one you said was three. Yep. Cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah, the, the being remote part that that was that was awesome, and and having a kid kind of, you know, every, I am sure everybody says this, but it it did kind of change everything for me, right? But before that, I was sort of a road warrior. I mean, I I pretty much consistently traveled with a, a few breaks here and there between 2012 and 2019, and okay. uh, and when she was born. Thankfully, my company was flexible enough to sort of move me over the team of folks that traveled. Mm -hmm. So I, I had very limited travel since then. But yeah, it it uh, it it changed everything. I I don't want to be gone all the time anymore. I I much prefer to to be at home now. You're you're out of that stage of getting the the millions of frequent flyer miles and the hotel points. Right. Yeah. And and unfortunately, the the free vacations from all of those points finally ran out this year, but I, I think that's a pretty good run. Yep. Yep. That's true. That is true. That's one of the perks of being those road, road warriors. So tell us, tell us what you're up to now. So I made the transition over to sales okay. and I, I now work for in a, a large OEM uh, in the data center. And my, my job now is essentially so my, my role is technically pre-sales, but it, I'm still part of a sales team. And what that means is I am involved with the customer at the solutioning stage, right? So okay. I have a specific customer set that I cover and I engage with their solutions architects, systems engineers, just whomever on their team. And I basically help them figure out how to solve their problems, right? So <clears throat> I I am a product focused, uh, I am in a product focused role, but I really try to be more 
outcome focused, right? And I think I think that that's maybe one of the things that uh, people in technology, at least you know, from my perspective, that we tend to we tend to get tunnel visioned on on certain things and certain tactical issues, right? The now, as opposed to where do we want to be in in a few years? And so that's really my main job is to help these customers of mine focus more on the big picture. And then once they do that, I'm there to help get them there, essentially. Okay. And so um, you said you're in the data center. So you're, you're working with solutions for just anything data center? Yes. Everything from servers and storage all the way up to networking, basically everything in between. And the software too? A little bit of software, not a Just ton. The the hypervisor type stuff and things like that. Right. Yeah. We we don't do a ton with it. We 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 have to know enough about it to know what it does mm-hmm. and where it fits in. But when it comes to like complex design of any kind of software, that's really out of my realm, mm-hmm. as opposed to say building a humongous storage platform or, or hyper-converged infrastructure, things like that. I'm much more involved on, on the actual hardware side. Okay. And that's got to be pretty fun because that stuff's got to be changing and evolving and getting better all the time. Absolutely. I mean, this is hands down the best job I've ever had. I, I literally wake up every day excited to do what I'm doing. And um, I imagine working for a large OEM is you get a lot of training and the, the new things that they've they've got so that you can be just familiar with everything in your realm and uh, have always kind of the the top things to choose or help cu- uh, customers choose for for what they deploy. Yeah, there is so much training you would not believe it. Every product has hours upon hours of training, and it can be as as in depth as you want or as surface level as you want. We would so, literally have everything. So like the, the, um, the, the front end sales or the, the customer um, lead sales would be more you know, lighter in terms of their knowledge on, on some of these platforms and you come in to assist them when they have questions? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, cool. And, and I like that, you know, that, that, that idea that I guess that attitude or that mentality of thinking about things over the, you know, the future uh, future proofing rather than just solving the immediate problem. Cause that's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty important. And from, from an experience I had, you know, having somebody who, um, really knows their stuff and is there to, to back up what they've proposed is critical. Cause I, I had a, a, basically a really large deployment, um, that we purchased, it was about $200,000 worth of equipment stuff. And one of the things that their, that their sales guy, who was kind of technical, but not exactly, one of the things he you know, told us it could do, it turned out was completely impossible. And you know, one of the reasons we were doing this was because it was gonna save us like $26,000 a year in service costs. And now you know, we've got all this stuff on site and this guy, gets fired because he sold us something that couldn't do it. And uh, we're out of luck. Um, so I understand the value of having people, you know, that'll, that'll um, stand behind what they say and know what they're talking about. And I'm sure that's, that's you and your team. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know how, how sales goes, right? I mean, typically, typically sales gets a bad rap and 
And that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I forgot to mention that literally is one of the biggest parts of my job is to make sure they're not writing checks that we can't cash mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, because that can, you know, devastate the relationship between longtime partners, you know, the vendor and the, the client, especially if you're talking about these, these clients that are, you know, nationwide consulting groups that are like, like you, like you did, uh, you know, putting out infrastructure for all of the Air Force bases. You, know, you don't want to screw that up for sure. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, you want to tell us what Nutanix is? I, I, I know what it is, and it's, it's pretty neat. And I've always thought, man, it'd be cool to have something like that. We've talked about it in some of my classes, but uh, I'd like to hear from you um, what it is and kind of like where its place is. Like, where do you see it um, today in some of the uh, solutions maybe that you work with or, or propose, if you do it all? Yeah, so Nutanix is a hyper-converged infrastructure platform, right? And, and essentially what that means is you're getting your, your, your compute, your network, and your storage all wrapped into one, right? Instead of your traditional two- or three-tier architecture, which two-tier would be compute and storage, three-tier would be compute, network, and storage, right? Mm-hmm. So Nutanix throws it all together. So I have honestly, a little bit of limited experience with Nutanix in the field. Okay. I, I did have one, one program where we, where we deployed it, but I think the play for Nutanix is it's supposed to be, you know, the slightly easier variant of say vSphere and, and VMware vSAN, right? So VMware vSAN is their, their HCI, the VMware HCI offering, and they sort of do the same thing, right? It's all software defined. So you you just have your nodes that take care of of everything and i think one of the big i think one of the big areas where hci shines uh well technically in in the data center as a whole now we're seeing a lot of a lot of workloads move to hci but i think vdi is is a very big space and i think that's where nutanix probably has their largest footprint is vdi makes sense which is, now, go ahead which is virtual desktop infrastructure right right and we've done, uh, you know, SIU's moved a lot uh, in that direction for like computer labs and things now. Not not in our area. We're still using computers. We can take apart and break. Um, but uh, the you know the campus uh, has has moved a lot towards VDI. Um, I was going to say, you remember Ross, right? Which Ross? Ross Petty. Yes. So he introduced me to Nutanix. I I was uh, passing through where he worked and. He uh, invited me in and gave me a little tour and, and showed off their brand new uh, Nutanix system or their Nutanix, uh, I don't know if you call it a cluster or whatever, um, and described to me how they were using it and all the, the, the cool things it was allowing them for, to do. So uh, that's how I got familiar with it and um, neat stuff, neat stuff. So I, um, I will say, I feel like if I wasn't a VMware person and didn't know VMware, really well as I was going through the Nutanix deployments, mm-hmm. I probably would have had a much better experience with it, right? It's it's supposed to be simple and intuitive, but the uh-huh. way my brain thought things should work were the, was the VMware way, okay. and it's just different. So I, I kind of had trouble adjusting to it, but I think if it's some, if it's probably, you know, your first HCI deployment or, or you're not a super, super deep into the VMware ecosphere, you're probably going to love it. Cool. 
Good info. So we're going to wrap things up, but I have a couple of questions and then we'll be done. Is that all right? Sounds good. Okay. So um, first of all, uh, do you have any advice for uh, our, our students who are still in school or the ones who are about to graduate? Uh, just anything, you know, maybe you wish you had known or just some words of wisdom to, to, to tell these that might listen. So I think my opinion is the biggest thing you can develop are soft skills. They are so important and I feel like they are so overlooked in tech as a whole. The, the more that we can communicate with our customers, with our leadership, with our peers, the easier our lives are going to be. And, and I feel like so many folks just focus on the nitty gritty technical stuff that we sometimes forget. We understand it, but we also have to know how to relay it to people who have different levels of understanding than we do. Very true. I, that's, I think that's something I've focused on my entire career. Uh, which is probably how I ended up teaching, but but that is so true. And I think you know, especially now where we have so much remote, where you you know you've got to be able to communicate with people. If you can't communicate with the people on your teams, you know, remotely or or however, you're not going to be successful. Um, you know, there's there's not as many jobs where you're just sitting. You know, like like uh, in the IT crowd where the guy's down in the basement in the server area or whatever, it never comes out. You know, there's there's not those jobs anymore. Everybody has to be uh, involved and in, in communicating, and that's that's key. Good point. Yeah, and you know, for me, Zoom was a big challenge. You can stick me in an auditorium full of people, and I can present and be perfectly fine but you throw me behind a computer and I have to work a slideshow while I'm talking and try to maintain <laughs> who's asking me questions. It's a whole different level of, of concentration required. I hear you. I mean, when we first, when, when COVID was first starting out and we were first switching over to teaching classes with zoom and we were still holding the schedule of the in-class, you know, sections that we were we, we had that were now remote, we still had, you know, this, this class full of students that were all of a sudden brand new to Zoom, and then all of the faculty members brand new to Zoom. And it was, it was tough, especially, you know, just the quirks of like, oh, uh, here, I'm playing a video, and then all everybody's, no, we can't hear, we can't hear, because you didn't push the right button. And then next release of Zoom, that button's changed, and it's called something different. I sound like a, like an old person now, I think, you know, complaining about technology. <laughs> it, it, it happens to all of us. And I'll tell you what, if, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard, sorry, I was on double mute, I'd be on your wall of first million made. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, let's see anything else I should have asked you already. Um, but I, but I didn't. I, I can't think of anything. Okay. I think you, uh, I think you did a great job. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, very informative. And uh, I'm going to get this um, up on the podcast in the next day or so. And I'm going to send it to a couple people who, you know, who uh, you mentioned um, that are still at SIU and, and I'll send you the link and you shared it, you know, far and wide too. Um, the, the last thing I have are five fun questions and they're kind of rapid fire, kind of like the Paul.com Security Weekly used to do. In fact, kind of exactly copied from that, if, you, if you're familiar with them. I'm not, but I'm ready. Okay. So knowing that you are uh, in Metro St. Louis, 
Uh, do you have any particular favorite food, restaurant, cuisine, especially, you know, a restaurant that you recommend up in the Metro St. Louis area or anything food related from your work and travels that you specifically or particularly enjoyed? So I will give you three in the Metro East. Beast Barbecue in Belleville is, in my opinion, the best barbecue in all of St. Louis. Okay. My favorite pizza is Peel, and my favorite seafood restaurant is Gulf Shores. And these are all east side? Yep. Because I get up there. Actually, my grandma just moved away from Hollywood, so I'm not going to be up there as often. But I am going to write these down because my wife goes to Edwardsville sometimes and I go with her. But Peel, I'm going to have to find that one. I think I've seen that one before. And, and we usually go to, is there one just called? Ah, now I can't remember what the one is. Pie, maybe? Pie I've been to, but I thought there was one that did like wood oven that was in Edwardsville and there was one, maybe, maybe that is Peel. That, that would probably, that sounds like Peel. Yep. And I've been there a few times and it's great. So I agree with you. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, any podcasts, movies, TV series, books, anything, you know, tech related or not tech related that you've enjoyed recently or ever that you want to recommend? Hmm. You know, unfortunately, I really don't consume a lot of that sort of stuff outside of work. So I unfortunately do not have any recommendations. Okay. I'm always looking for a new TV series to, to watch while I'm responding to emails. So that's why I ask that. Oh, well, if, it, if it's outside of tech. Oh, um, yeah, definitely outside I'll, of tech too. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I misunderstood that. So um, movie, Top Gun Maverick, if you haven't yep. seen it, it's maybe one, one of the maybe one of the best movies I've seen. Uh, in, in a really long time. Yep. And my my 12-year-old went as Goose uh, for Halloween to school and his best buddy went as Maverick. It was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, anything else? Not that I can think of. Okay. Um, are, is there any particular technology um, that you would like to get your hands on to learn or play with home, work, pleasure, business, whatever? Anything Automation. What kind of automation? Anything automation. That is honestly one of the things that I have zero hands-on experience with and very little just overall knowledge. And with a lot of talk around multi-cloud, automation mm -hmm. is going to be at the forefront of that. Okay. So like um, Ansible and things like that. Right. Chef, Ansible, Chef. Terraform, things of that nature. Cool. And these are all things that I'm going to put on my list and... Put it out uh, to my students of stuff they should check out. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? I believe I will still be at my current job. Uh, okay. I, I, I love it there. I'm thinking maybe a systems engineering manager, but I'm not 100% certain. I've toyed with moving to a full sales role, um, but I was actually recently appointed to the federal field CTO team. Okay. So I, I think my, I think my future may lean a little bit more toward speaking engagements and content creation from a technical perspective for other uh, solutions architects and system systems engineers to so uh, consume within with in, internal stuff. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. So you'll be you'll be helping make that training that gets the other people successful. That is the plan. I think. Okay, that's really neat. 
Okay. And so last thing, if you could retire today and money was no object, you could do whatever the heck you wanted. What would you do? I would camp and I would build gaming computers. <laughs> but not at the same time. Probably. Not at the same time, probably. Yeah. Awesome. I would see all the national parks. And uh, yeah, that, that, that is like a dream of mine to, to just go be in nature and well, not really in nature, right? I want an RV, okay. but go see all the, the beautiful things that our country has to offer. That is awesome. And I'll tell you, Belle has this sweet RV that I, I see sitting in her driveway every time I come to work. It's pretty cool. So she's, she's done a little bit of that, I believe. We, we do a little, we do a little right now, but with the, with the second kid on the way, we have to put a pause on that, unfortunately. Uh, gotcha. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, going from one kids to two kids was way more different and challenging than two to three. If, if you, if you have three in your, you know, in, in your, your potential plan. Uh, so get used to it get ready for it, I guess. Well, I will not be sharing this podcast with my wife now because we are I'm telling her we're done after two and she thinks three would be fine. So yeah, it's easy. <laughs> it's easier because you got, you know, kids to help with the other kids and entertain them. And sure. Stuff and, and then there's, you know, you, you they, they just occupy themselves a little better sometimes, but, but anyway, well, thank you, Ethan. This has been really cool and it's been awesome reconnecting with you. So absolutely. I, I appreciate great. it. Um, we're going to get this podcast up and put it out uh, i'm finally gonna do like a full-blown podcast uh kind of intro to to put it out there because i've only kind of just shared this with people and, and not put the whole thing out there but now i've got about 20 episodes so so i'm gonna do that um and and again thank you and, and would you be up maybe someday just to talk about vmware or something with us with a class if it's ever just uh comes up that you'd, you'd be a good resource for Absolutely. Yeah, I am. I am more than happy to to come down. I'm, you know, I'm close. Okay. So. Well, very neat. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. A happy New Year. Um, congrats on the, the, the little one in the future. Uh, little one coming up and uh, I'll, uh, I'll keep in touch with you. And, Sounds good. Merry Christmas to ever, you too. And if you ever just come across anything interesting and you're, you know, you're learning about technology stuff, you think I should share with students, um, job opportunities, just shoot me an email. Let me know. Absolutely. We'll do. All right. We're going to disconnect now. Thanks, Ethan. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye.